Well, what do you miss most about our pre-COVID life? If you're watching on the live platform, just type in the chat box what you miss uh, the most. Maybe you miss the freedom of going to the movies and, and going out to a restaurant to eat, just getting away from home to relax. Maybe you miss sending your kids off to school for a few hours so you get a break every day. Can I get an amen from the parents who are watching? I don't know what you miss, but all of us, I would venture to guess, are missing something. Now, now, please hear me. Uh, I know that, that the things we miss are, are many of them trivial compared to what other people have experienced losing in this time. In no way am I making light of or, or trivializing what other people have experienced in, in loss. I'm just saying all of us miss something. We, we miss something. So what do you miss before I get too far, I do want to introduce myself to anyone who might be new. If this is your first time uh, joining us at Element Church, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here, and I am so glad that all of you have chosen to connect with us today and be a part of this place that we call home. I know that I miss several things in life. For instance, I miss sports. Who's with me on, on that one? Right now, the NBA playoffs would be going on, and, and I was pulling for LeBron to win a championship in L.A. Baseball would be in full swing, pun intended. My dad had tickets to opening day in St. Louis for the Cardinals, but obviously he didn't get to enjoy those. I, I do think all of us were ready to watch the Cubs finish another non-championship season, right? That's for my friend Tom. I, I hope he's watching. Go Cards. Right, we're, we're desperate for sports. I turned on ESPN the other day, and on one channel, there was the World Rock Climbing Championship. On another channel, there was Dodgeball. Not like Dodgeball the movie. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Like Dodgeball, a tournament. Right, we're desperate for sports. Uh, I'm so desperate for sports, I'd, I'd almost be willing to watch soccer. <laughs> Uh, this is the benefit of nobody being in the room. I can say whatever I want and, and no one can be, be angry at me, at least not here. I, I miss traveling. I miss going to coffee with my best friend and giving him a big bear hug. I, I miss my small group. Even though we're connecting online, it's just not the same. I'm, I miss you guys. I miss meeting new people. I miss seeing everyone out in the lobby. I miss watching just all the love and interaction that takes place right here in our church. I miss all those things. But you know what I miss the most? I miss worship. Like the corporate worship together in this place. Uh, normally uh, on a Sunday morning, I will uh, come out from my office after spending some time in prayer and, and I sit right down here or stand right down here on, on the front row. And I love it when the band is up on the stage and man, they're just going at it and I'm singing my guts out in worship as they lead us. I, I love looking out over the room and I see many of you with your, your hands in the air, sometimes tears streaming down your face. I've seen some of you fall to your knees in worship. Guys, I miss that. I need, I need it. I find myself craving our times of worship together. Now, I know for, for someone watching that, that might sound really weird that I crave worship uh, I know you might be watching and, and you don't believe in God. You don't consider yourself a, a follower of, 
of Jesus. And, and you may not understand that, that, that longing for worship, and that's completely okay. Uh, you, you might think it sounds weird, and I'll, I'll even acknowledge that I, I can see, I, I can see how the way we worship as Christians can seem weird to someone if they've never been around it, if they're not uh, used to it. And I'm not asking anyone to miss what I miss or, or to uh, believe what I believe. I'm not asking anyone to, to feel the same way I do about worship. What, what, what I can do today is maybe help us understand a little bit more about why worship is so important to me and why I believe worship should be, should be so important to those of us who believe. Why worship is so valuable to the heart and soul and life of the Christian. You do realize that God doesn't need our worship, right? Doesn't need our worship. That should actually be a comforting thought to us because if God needed our worship, he wouldn't be much of a God. In fact, even, even if no human being on the planet chose to worship God, he would still be worshiped. You know that? Like the Bible, all through the Bible, talks about how all of creation worships God, the sun, the moon, the, the stars. Psalm 66 verse 4 says this, Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. Psalm 19, 1 and two says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. Even Jesus in Luke chapter 19, when the Pharisees demanded that he tell other people to stop praising him, Jesus said this, Luke 19, 40, he replied, if they, those people, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Like, how amazing is that? Like, God doesn't need our worship. But this is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about worship. God doesn't need our worship, but we need what God does in our worship. We need what God does. Something powerful happens when God's people praise. You see, when we think of worship, uh, we might often think of our favorite song. And, and that's great. I have my own list of, of favorite songs. We sang one of them today called Goodness of God. We, we, might, we might think of worship, or when we think of worship, we might think of a certain style or, or a certain sound, a certain style of music that we are singing to, and that's, that's fine too. Like every single person has their own preference of how they want to sing when they, when they worship God, whether that's piano and organ or electric guitar and drums. We all have our, our own preferences. But, but after today, I don't want that to be the first thing we think of when it comes to worship. After today, when we think of, of worship, I don't want us to think about certain songs or, or styles or, or sounds. After today... When you think of worship, this is what I want you to think of. I want you to think of a sword. I want you to think of, of a weapon. A weapon that's used against our spiritual enemy. That, that worship 
is not just the way we sing to God. It's a weapon we have that's been given from God. And that's our big idea for today. Worship is not just the way we sing to God. It's a weapon we have from God. That, that worship's not just the way we sing, it's, it's a weapon. The band sang about this, this earlier in the song, Raise a Hallelujah. Hallelujah, by the way, literally means praise God or God be praised. The song says, I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. My weapon's a melody. That worship is not just the way we sing to God. It's a weapon we have from God. So here's the big question I think we have to, to ask today. How is worship a weapon? How is worship a weapon? The main scripture, if you're following along in your Bible, is 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, now, don't freak out. We don't have time to read all of it, okay? So we're not going to read all of it. We'll read portions of it. Second Chronicles is found in the Old Testament portion of the Bible. I'd encourage you to read all of it on your own uh, sometime this week. We're jumping into the middle of the story of King Jehoshaphat, uh, the king of the people of God in the land of Judah. Things were going well for the king and for his kingdom. We're told that he sought after God with all of his heart. And, and in return, God provided peace and protection and, and provision for long periods of time in the land of Judah. It's exactly what you'd expect God to give when you are faithful to him like Jehoshaphat was. But, but in the first part of chapter 20, it says that right in the middle of this peace and protection and provision, a message came to the king letting him know that the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir were on their way to attack Judah. They would be there shortly, and Jehoash was, or Jehoshaphat was terrified at the thought of these armies coming, as you can imagine. So he called the people of Judah together to fast and pray, which is a form of worship, by the way. He stood before all the people that had gathered in Jerusalem, and he prayed this prayer, starting in chapter 20, verse 6. O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Like, how awesome is that? Now here they were in the midst of a giant problem, but he started his prayer with praise. He started his prayer with worship. Now jumping to verse 10, I'm going to read portions of 10, 11, and then verse 12. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. What a great prayer. We don't know what to do, God, but we're looking to you for help. And why was he looking to God? Because you alone 
our God in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are mighty and powerful and no one can stand against you. So we are looking to you for help. That, that worship is not just the way we sing to God. It's a weapon we have from God. And how is worship a weapon? The first thing I see from our story here is this. It refocuses my perspective. Worship refocuses my perspective. Worship cuts through my problems and points me to the problem solver. It cuts through my problems and points me to the problem solver. Did King Jehoshaphat still have a problem after he praised? You bet he did. Uh, the enemy armies were still coming to attack them, but because he praised, he, 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 his focus was not just on the problem in front of him, his focus was on a God who was above the problem, a God who was above even him. You alone are God in heaven, he said. This is why it's so important for us to praise God even in the midst of our problems because our praise cuts through our problems and points us to the God who is above them, who's above all of our problems. That, that before Jehoshaphat asked God for help with his problem, he praised God in the midst of it. It refocused his perspective that you are God alone. All these kingdoms are, are coming against us, but you are ruler of all kingdoms of, of the earth. You are mighty and powerful. No one can stand against you. You alone are God in heaven. You are God and I am not. And so I'm gonna praise you even in the midst of my problems. And how does God respond to praise like that? I think we see his response in Psalm 22, verse three it says this, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Other versions say that God inhabits the praises of his people or he dwells in our praises. I've taught this before, but that verse uh, 22, three from, from Psalms, it literally means that our praises become a throne that God's presence descends on. His presence is drawn to our praise. So, so even when it feels like God has abandoned me, even when it seems like God is so far away, even though it seems like I'm crying out and getting no answer back from God, yet you are holy, God. I praise you. And when I praise God, his presence will descend upon me as if he is resting on a throne. How awesome is that? That's why worship is not just the way we sing. It's, it's, it's a weapon that we, we have. It refocuses my perspective. It gets my focus off my problems and onto God, but it also opens me up to God's presence. That's not even one of the points in my sermon, but it starts with peace, so we'll roll with it. That it opens me up to the presence of God, and we actually see that right here in the story. We see God's presence show up in their praise. 2 Chronicles 20, now verse 13 through 19, says this. 
As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. God's presence entered in. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite, who was a descendant of Asaph. I got all those right, I think. If, if I didn't, you don't know anyway. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. The worship is not just the way we sing to God, it's a weapon we have from God. So how is worship a weapon? It refocuses my perspective and also opens me up to his presence. But the, the second thing here in our notes is this. It reminds me of God's promise. It reminds me of God's promises. Here in the middle of their praise, God gave them and reminded them of his promises. He said things like, the battle is not yours, but God's. You won't even need to stand still. You won't, even need, you won't even need to fight. Just stand still. The Lord will fight for you. He will be with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. We see the promises of God. Worship, when we worship, when we praise, it's one of the ways we declare God's promises, uh, we declare the truth about who God is and who we are in him. Just look at, at a few of the lyrics from the song, Raise a Hallelujah, which the band led us in earlier. Here's just a, a few of them. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Louder than my unbelief, my weapon is a melody. Heaven comes to fight for me. The promises of God. The, the, those are truth statements about who God is and who we can be in him. They remind me of God's promises that even in the face of my problems, I can praise God louder than the lies of the enemy, louder than my unbelief. I will praise that with praise, I may not have a weapon in my hand, but I have a weapon in my heart that cannot be taken away. And so I praise God and heaven comes to fight for me. That devil, you can bring problems in my life. You can cause me pain. You can take away all my provision, but you cannot take away my 
praise. So I'm going to sing in the middle of a storm, louder and louder, you will hear my praises roar. Why? Because up from the ashes, hope will arise. And here's the greatest truth of all time. Death is defeated. Jesus is alive. Man, I wish someone was in the room with me to, to, to clap or say amen or something, because that is the greatest truth of all time. Jesus is alive, and because he's alive, I am able to praise him no matter the problems I face. It's unbelievable promises from God that are found when we worship and praise him. I'm, I'm getting worked up today, because that's how powerful worship is. It's not just the way we sing to him. It's a weapon we have from him. That how is worship a weapon? It, it refocuses my priorities. It reminds me of God's promises. And because of his promises, I can continue living today. That even if I die, I'll live. Because he lives in me. And then lastly, number three, is this. It releases God's power. Worship releases God's power. This is one of the coolest stories in all of Scripture. 2 Chronicles 20, we're going to take this chunk by chunk here as we walk through the end. Starting in verse 20, says this. Early the next morning. Notice they, did, they, didn't, they didn't delay doing what God told them to do. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed the singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. That's just comical to me. Can you imagine how the singers, singers must have felt? Like sometimes I think we read the Bible as if people in the Bible would have felt differently than we would because they were in the Bible. But that's just not the case. Like if you were one of the singers, say you're on the worship team here at Element Church and there's, we're going to go out and fight an enemy army. And you hear like, hey guys, um, the, the army of, of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, they're coming against us. They still want to kill us. But instead of sending the warriors out first with their swords and shields and spears, we're going to send you guys out first to sing some songs. Are you cool with that? Like, I'd be like, no, I'm not cool with that. But the singers went first. And this is what they sang, verse 21. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks? The enemy was coming against them. We actually sang similar words today in that song, Goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With everything that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. They gave thanks. His faithful love endures forever. And then look at verse 22. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, 
The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. His power was released in their praise. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. And notice, by the way, the people of Judah didn't know what happened yet. They, they couldn't see what God was doing with their worship. They were just worshiping the one they couldn't see and trusting that he'd do something on their behalf. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day, because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Don't miss this, church. What they thought was the place of their greatest burden became the place of their greatest blessing. What they thought was the place of their greatest burden became the place of their greatest blessing. That oftentimes, on the other side of your greatest burden is God's blessing. And the people of Judah, they walked toward their burden with worship. Their worship became a weapon and it led to their greatest blessing. You know what that tells me? The bridge between your burden and God's blessing is most often worship. But if you are unwilling to walk on that bridge, you'll be overwhelmed by your burdens, that the bridge between our burden and God's blessing is worship. So will I choose to worship even in the midst of my burden? Our vision here at Element Church is to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships and make a lasting impact. And listen, church, out of those three things, there, there's not many times in life I feel more alive than when I worship. There's not many times in life I feel more alive than when I'm connecting with, with other people who believe. There's not many times in life I feel more alive than when I'm serving God, making an impact in his kingdom. I want us to experience all the life that God has. It's all part of worship. It's all part of worship. Living my life for him, connecting to other people, making an impact. In John chapter 4, Jesus was, was speaking with a Samaritan woman, and he told her, God is looking for true worshipers, worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. True worshipers. But you can only truly worship God, when you've put your faith in him through Jesus. You see, all of us have sinned. Uh, our sins separate us from a holy God. And if that sin goes undealt with, it is an eternal separation. But God loved us so much, he sent Jesus on our behalf. God in the flesh. 
He came as one of us. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us, paying the price for our sins. But three days later, he rose victorious so that any one of us, no matter who we are and no matter what we've done, by faith in him, can be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, power to live our lives for him every day, enabling us to worship him no matter the problems we face in life, and one day, one day, by faith in Jesus, we will spend eternity with him. If you want to put your faith in Jesus today for the very first time, I want to lead you in a prayer to do that. This prayer does not save you. Jesus saves you. This prayer expresses your faith in Jesus. So if that's you, pray this prayer. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and rose from the dead. So Jesus, I put my faith in you. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean, make me new. I I repent, I turn from my old former sinful way of living and I will by your power follow you in a new life and a new way. I receive from you salvation. I wanna be a true worshiper who worships you not just in song, but in spirit and truth by the way I live. Thanks for loving me, Jesus. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching and you just prayed that prayer to put your faith in Jesus for the very first time. We are so, so proud of you. Welcome to the family. If you're watching at, at the, on the live platform, uh, there's a little button there that just says that you are raising your hand to indicate that you're committing your life to Jesus for the very first time today. Just click that button and we want to celebrate with you. We want to welcome you to the family with some free resources as well. If you're not on the live platform, but you're watching on demand, uh, you can actually text us. Uh, the, the word one to the number on the screen. Text the word one to 41400. And we want to get you some free resources and welcome you into our family, into our home here at Element Church. I love you guys so, so, so much. And I cannot wait to worship with you together again. But even though we're not worshiping together in this room, we can still worship together. We, we can have our, our perspective refocused. We can have promises reminded. And we can make sure that God's power is unleashed in our lives against our spiritual enemy, the devil. Let me pray for you, and then we'll let you go. Father in heaven, you're a great God. Lord, I thank you that you don't even need our worship But when we give it, Lord, you you put a weapon in our hands. It's a weapon to refocus our perspective from our problems. It's a weapon to remind us of the promises you have given us that we are not alone. We, We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be discouraged. Our king is alive. And Lord, it, I believe, unleashes your power in our life. Lord, not to, not to slay armies, but to slay our enemy, the devil. Lord, I pray when we worship and praise, we'd see your power unleashed in our lives. We love you, God, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.